When a young American man meets a beautiful Swedish girl, he learns she has some serious mental problems. But when he leaves Sweden, he quickly realizes that whatever was causing her emotional anguish has followed him home. And then we travel to an abandoned town in Spain. What was once a thriving Bronze Age community that lasted thousands of years now lays empty. And the terrifying events in this area were so bad, they actually renamed the city. To this day, they call this settlement the Devil's Door. Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day too. Hope you guys had a great week and I actually did get tested for COVID and I didn't have it. So I know we talked about that on the last episode, but I'm doing good. I'm still I'm still actually sick. Whatever it is, I still have the flu or something like that, but it's not COVID. And I know a lot of you guys were worried and I appreciate all the worry. I appreciate all the emotional energy you expended on me. Speaking of spending, but this is money spending, let's go ahead and introduce our newest Patreon supporter walking into Dead Rabbit Command right now. Give it up for Max Sinclair. Everyone give a big round of applause for Max Sinclair. Give him a big old hug. Max, you're going to be our captain, our pilot this episode. If you guys can't support the Patreon, I totally get it. Just help spread the word about the show. Help grow the show. Really, really helps out a lot. Tell your friends, tell your family. Help the show grow. Really appreciate that as well. Max, I'm going to go ahead and toss you the keys to the Jason Jalopy. We're going to leave behind Dead Rabbit Command. We are headed all the way out to Sweden. The reason why we're in Sweden is that there is this guy. We don't have his name. He didn't give us his real name. And you understand as the story progresses, you're like, I wouldn't want people to know I was involved in this either. But there's this American dude. We're going to call him Jesse. So Jesse travels to Sweden for the summer. He's like, see you later, Chicago. I'm coming to like snowy mountains and Donald Duck cartoons as far as the eye can see. And so he's walking around Sweden. He's like waving at people. They're like, who is that weird? Who is that weird? Hey, everyone. Hi, I'm from America. So Jesse is an American man. He's 20 years old. And it's time for him to kind of break out, you know, kind of start like living life as an adult. 20 is still really young, but he's going to go and he's going to do the whole thing where he's kind of traveling and meeting people and expanding his horizons. It's always good to do that. So he ends up in Sweden. He's just going to be there for the summer. And while he's in Sweden, he meets this beautiful young woman. Now, he's never had a girlfriend before which is going to complicate things because as you get older and you've dated a lot of people, you're really good at observing things and you go, okay, those things that I don't like, but I can deal with them. And and those things are deal breakers, but I can deal with them. But this is why she's going to break up with me. And you can kind of see all these things. You can also tell really early on, because you have a lot of experience, the crazy ones, things they say and things they do. So you bail really quick, right? Because there is way more fish in the sea, right? You cut your losses. But when you're 20 years old, when I wasn't 20 years old as well, you don't have that instinct. So you will just go, oh, maybe all girls are like this. Maybe all all girls are mildly psychotic. Jesse meets this girl. We'll call her Amanda. She's the Swedish girl. And one thing he picks up on pretty quickly is she's really cool. She's awesome to hang out with. She's hot. But uh, she has a lot of emotional issues, which, again, that's common. It's part of being human. But her emotional issues require her to take medication to regulate her moods 
because the times where he saw her not take her medication, they're like watching a movie and he's like, uh, honey, this movie's kind of long. Should you go and take your medicine now? She's like, nah, I, I, I'm on the edge of my seat. And then what would happen if she's not taking her medication, she would become extremely violent. So I don't know if it was like she took a pill a day or a pill a week or she's taking like three pills an hour. But he, it was enough that he could tell that when she didn't take it, she would explode at these violent reactions. Anyways, he stays with her. His first girlfriend, he stays with her. When they're sleeping together, he notices that at night she would go, mm, mm, and she would like roll around in the bed. He would just be kind of like laying there. <laughs> He's like, dude, I got to go to work tomorrow. I got a job in Sweden for some reason on my summer vacation. Mm, she's making these noises. And he said she looked like she was tormented. Like it wasn't just she was kind of rolling around because her back hurt. She was like, ah, I need my medicine. I need my medicine in the middle of the night. Now he's like, oh, great. And she's gibberishing. Well, actually, she's speaking Swedish, but he doesn't understand Swedish. So he just hears her going, arfy darfy darf. And he doesn't know what it is. He has no idea what she's saying. Now, when she wakes up the next morning, He's like, hey, you were like muttering in your sleep and you like look tormented and you're like scratching to the air. And also you took all the blankets. That's rude. And she'd be like, I don't have I don't remember that. Like, I do remember not I do remember taking all the blankets. I remember being extra warm, but I don't know what I was saying. And she would scratch at herself in her sleep. So she'd wake up with scratches everywhere. She sounded angry in her sleep and all this stuff. Now. He goes, in general, she just seemed haunted. Like, despite all the medication she has to take to regulate her moods, despite the fact that she's scratching herself in the sleep and, and speaking in this strange language, she just, in general, seemed haunted. Her eyes were always... She always looked tired behind her eyes. And when she wasn't... When she wasn't scratching at herself or doing all this other crazy stuff, she was an artist. And she would draw these sexually violent paintings. And you're like, Jason, why is this guy still with her? And why is he admitting to being with her in the first place? I know, I know. But this is a really interesting story because for all the times I've been like, see ya, maybe if I had stayed around a little bit longer, this would have happened to me. I'm not saying I want this to happen to me, but as a paranormal researcher, it would have been interesting. So he stays with her. But, you know, only for the summer, right? I guess there was a time limit on it. But he said, you know, I'll come back next summer. Is this first girlfriend? That's really kind of romantic, except for all of the insanity. So he flies back to America, and then it really starts. He'd be in his bed all by himself. He's like, all the, all the blankets just for me. And right before falling asleep, he would hear a feminine voice whisper. He'd open his eyes up and he'd look around the darkness of his room, and there'd be obviously no one in there. But right before he fell asleep, he would hear these feminine whispers. And he said, I could triangulate it. Like, it, it wasn't like right next to my ear. It was somewhere in the room. I could actually look into the darkness and go, it came from over there. This happened continuously. And then eventually he started to see what was making the voice. He'd open his eyes and he'd see standing in the corner of his room, a woman standing there. Now, I know what you're thinking. Was she hot? No, <laughs> let me just jump to the gun. She was not attractive at all. She was gray, but not like a gray alien, because even gray aliens can be kind of cute. She had gray, bumpy skin with long, wet black hair, and she would just stand there in the darkness, totally nude. She had fat limbs 
with fat fingers. Just imagine like a fat, stumpy woman with gray, bumpy skin and black hair. And right there, that's bad enough, right? <laughs> you lost me at the gray bumps. Anything else I could probably have worked with. But then, her face... She didn't, she didn't have one. She didn't have one. Her eyes were gone. It was like just skin over where the eye sockets would be. So just gray, bumpy skin, mottled, wet hair. And then her mouth was the, was the Pac-Man mouth. And it would just open and close, open and close. Super gross, dude. That's a really demonic looking creature. Like if you, if you picture that, if you picture all those pieces, that's that's very, very disturbing. Again, like just one or two of those details would be bad enough. But it's this lumpy, gross woman with no eyeballs and a Pac-Man mouth. And we haven't even we haven't even gotten to the gross stuff. That's just what she looked like. He would be laying there in bed and he'd been hearing these whispers for a long time. Now he sees this gray, bumpy woman start to walk towards him. She's completely nude. And the bumps go all the way down, by the way. She's completely nude and he would be totally paralyzed. I mean, you can chalk this up to sleep paralysis, but there's a lot of other stuff that's going on. He would be completely paralyzed and she would walk through the darkness to him. And then she would grab his arm and use it to masturbate herself. Like she was sliding his fingers into her is how he put it. And that... <laughs> that's awful, right? That's horrifying. I can't... I mean, we've had ghosts sexually assaulting people. Normally, it's the physical sensation like you're waking up in bed and you feel the pressure on top of you, which, again, can be chalked up to sleep paralysis sometimes. Sometimes it can be demonic or poltergeist activity. But normally, you don't see it. This one, he's looking... And he's totally paralyzed. He's looking at this woman her big old Pac-Man mouth, and she's using his fingers to get off. Happy Monday, happy Monday episode, by the way. And sometimes he would wake up in the middle of the night and <laughs> how would you, how, I would not sleep. There's very few reasons in my life why I would start doing methamphetamines. This is one of them. If I had a choice between getting addicted to meth or seeing this when I went to bed, give me the meth. So sometimes, though, he would, be, he would be like, oh, man, he doesn't want to go to sleep, but he's super tired. He has a big exam tomorrow. So he's like, oh, I'm going to get some shut eye. He knows he's going to be awake for at least two hours doing this horrible act. But sometimes she wouldn't do that. He'd be like, oh, good. Maybe she didn't show up. I can actually fall asleep. And he would wake up just in the middle of the night and she would be standing over him and she'd be masturbating herself while staring at him. This is terrifying. I, I was reading this story and I'm thinking, I haven't come across anything like this. Sex with ghosts? Yeah. Demonic rape? Yeah. But watching it, I can't recall a story where they actually see this. A couple months later, this went on for a couple months and then it just ended one night. Just disappeared. Never saw her again. And what's interesting is he st starts to make the connection. Wait a second. I used to hang out with this girl, really hot girl. We dated for a bit. She was nuts. She had trouble sleeping. She drew all this sexually violent art. And I left her. And then I'm seeing this stuff at night, this sexually violent spirit. Maybe there's a connection between the two. He actually thinks like I might have caught it from her. 
Well, he ends up going back <laughs> next next year, next summer. He wants to go see that girl again, whatever her name was, Amanda, whatever her name there. He flies out there to Sweden. She's fine. She's doing much, much better. She doesn't have to take all the medication she used to take. She sleeps better. Her life is returning to normal. Very, very interesting paranormal account. It does have some of the stuff we see in ghost lore, like succubi type of things like that. But this is this is almost like it's communicable. This spirit, I mean, we take the story, if it's true, again, we're in the world of the paranormal, so this could be true. The spirit is attached to her, it's tormenting her, it's causing all of her, the, her mental anguish, and she's it's doubling the activity at night, and then it attached to him and fed off this brand new energy, and uh, she got better because of it. It was almost like this curse that was being passed on. Of course, you can make connections to movies like It Follows or The Ring, you know, this spirit, this curse that follows from person to person, but... Still, a very, very fascinating and creepy story. And then you have to think, why did it leave him? Why did it leave him? Did it find someone else to go to? Did he not have the energy that she wanted? Was it not able to feed as much off him that it was on her? Who knows? But apparently it left her and it left him. So it may still be out there. And it's funny, as I was prepping this story, I started to think, what if this is one of those... I I should have said this at the beginning of the segment. What if this is one of those stories that when I tell it, it spreads out? Because I've done that a couple times. I've covered stuff about cursed spirits. I'll put one of those episodes in the show notes. You're like, please don't, Jason. I don't want to hear a cursed episode. What if this is one of those stories? Like, by describing her, by telling you it, it puts it into... Your bedroom. I hope not. <laughs> I would hope not. But creepy story. I have to say, I read this story probably about a week or two ago, and I prepped these stories, and I haven't seen anything in my house like that. So I'm not super worried that it's a curse, but still, really fascinating, creepy ghost story. And and then I started thinking, what if it wasn't necessarily a demon? What if it wasn't this separate spirit? What if it was her? What if it was her mental anguish? It was like a biolocation, her astral projecting over to him. Because she loved him too. and But it was all of the evil and the darkness out of her. So she almost exercised herself. Like her possessiveness and her jealousy and all these negative emotions, all these dark emotions left her body to be with him. And then they dissipated and now they're both better people for it. I mean, I don't know if he's necessarily a better person when they end up happily married and have kids and their kids go, Daddy, are monsters real? He's going to look at his hand. He's going to look at his hand and he goes... Yeah, they're real. They are real. Max Sinclair, let's go ahead and toss you the keys of the carpenter. He was taking a nap that whole time. He's like, what did I miss? Ah, Max, go wash your hands, and then I'm going to toss you the keys of the carpenter copter. We are leaving behind Sweden. We're headed all the way out to Aukate. How would you like to be featured on an episode of Dead Rabbit Radio? All I need is for you to record yourself chanting Earth first, Earth first, Earth first, and email it to deadrabbitradio at gmail.com. Send me that, and I will insert it into an episode. Of my choosing, I'll just be some random episode. It'll be about like haunted houses or something. No, I'm doing a remaster of my Earth First episode. I'm going to put that in the show notes, but I want everyone to record themselves chanting it. Email it to me at deadrabbitradio at gmail.com and put in the email that I have permission to use your voice. Together, we will rise up and we'll defeat the Martian menace. You have until Valentine's Day, February 14th, to submit your entry. 
earth first. Before we get out there, I want to do a really quick Dead Rabbit Recommends. I watched this awesome movie the other day. It's available on Hulu, so you can watch it for free. It's one of those movies that I don't really want to tell you much about because part of it is the journey. It's called We Have to Do Something. We Have to Do Something. And it's the story of a family. It's like a mom and dad, brother and a sister. There's this huge tornado and they get locked inside this bunker. It was like this outdoor bathroom spa area that they built in their house. They run into it because it's the safest place for the tornado and a tree falls in front of the door. The entire movie takes place in this one room. There's a couple flashbacks, but the plot is all in this one room. And if you know anything about me, I I love movies. I don't know what it is. I love single location films. They are hands down to me, the hardest movies to pull off. So when you can do it, phenomenal stuff. When we look at movies like Cube, when we look at movies like Resolution, when we look at these movies that only take place in one location, they are, They can either suck or they are some of the best movies I've ever seen. Coherence. Oh my God, Coherence. So you have these movies. And this is a movie about this family trapped in this room. And the question is, was this a natural disaster or is it the end of the world? It's so so interesting. It's uh, it, I I feel like anything I else I say about it because I knew nothing going in, and part of it is the mystery. The flashbacks are setting up other stuff that I never would have expected. So it's a really good, really tightly made horror movie with one of the saddest death scenes I've seen in a long time. In a really, really long time. Not like Iron Man getting poked in the brain or whatever like that. Like this is such a mournful death scene. Like you feel it. You feel it. I'm sorry to all you Iron Man fans out there, but it's so such a dark death scene. Really, really good movie. Really, really good acting. Great plot. We have to do something. Check it out. Dead Rabbit recommends we have to do something. It's free on Hulu. Max, I want you to land this carpenter copter right here. And we're flying over this little place in Spain. We see it's it's a lot of rubble. And there's kind of like this big white tower, the remains of a chapel, maybe. Bring the carpenter copter down right here. And we get out. We're walking around all slow motion, all dramatic. We're walking around the town of Ocate. And this is in the county of Trevino in northern Spain. This is a city where legend and truth collide. And maybe, maybe, something much, much darker than we could ever imagine. Now, this is Basque territory. Northern Spain was controlled by the Basque people for thousands of years. And this settlement has been around since the Bronze Age. And from basically, basically from then, basically from cavemen going, oh, what's this? I can make a hammer out of this, smash your brain, to the 1300s. This was a populated area. The, the hills are uneven, so there's not a lot of farmland, but they found a way to make it work. They did a lot of sheep herding. They did a lot of cattle herding. And it actually was along a very popular trade route. And back then, it wasn't called Oakate. This town was called Gogate, which meant... Upper town. In the Basque language, it meant upper town because it's on this hill. It's on this big, nice hill, and there's all these other hills. But they changed the name of it to Ocate because Ocate, depending on the definition, means the secret door. And people started going, well, okay, it's kind of hard to find on the map if you change the name. Why'd you change it to the secret door? 
because this place started to become rumored to be a pathway to a dark dimension. Now, this isn't something that paranormal researchers have called Oakate, that some guy renamed as some sort of creepypasta. No. It is, this is known as one of the most mysterious places all in all through Spain. This is a huge tourist attraction. People come out to look around at these rocks, to look at these pillars, because of the stories that this settlement is actually a portal to another dimension. There's other versions of the name, depending on the translation. Sometimes it's called Diablos de Ocate, which means the secret door of the devil. Sometimes it's called Oxate, which is the wolf's door. So, which there's doors all around. None of these are good doors, by the way. So when we look back at this language change, you ask the question, why did they change it? Because they were scared. From the Bronze Age until the 13th century, this was a settled area. And then, everyone left. Now, people go, they left because the trade route. There's a trade route that used to go by there, and it stopped going by there. This stuff happens in America. That's what causes ghost towns. Highways are built so people stop going to this town. That's true. That's true. I would ask, why did they change the route as well? But anyway, so from the 1300s to the 1500s, this settlement was completely abandoned. The trade route had moved, and people had heard the stories. That is not a good place to go. We call it the secret door, or the devil's door, or the wolf's door. But in the 1500s, the city springs back to life. People move up there. You had, you had like, I think it was at, at a certain point, like, 26 people living there. It wasn't a bustling metropolis, but you had a lot of families there. You had a lot of laborers there. And at this point, you had, it was all footpaths. So the main road had kind of broken down. You would take your wagon only so far, and then you'd have to walk up the hill to get there. So, in the 1500s, it is resettled. Fast forward to the year 1860. Smallpox ravages the community of Oakate. They get through it. They lose a couple people, but they get through it. 1864, typhus strikes the town of Oakate. Not doing, too, not doing too good. You just survived smallpox. Now typhus is coming around. 1879. Cholera strikes this city. Now this is old-timey stuff, right? People weren't washing their hands. People were sleeping with sheep. Not sexually, but just using them as big old pillows. The point is, is like they weren't the, clean, the cleanest of people. I don't know. I can say that. I'm Basque. I can say how dirty they were back in 1860 because I'm Basque. But... And I don't know if it's scientifically true, but I imagine they were less clean back then. People were less clean back then. Like, if you were in the Civil War and you got shot, you're like, ah, I'm just going to walk around until I die. I can't clean this bullet out. So you have these three viruses, these three horrible plagues hit this city, and it, 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 plagues hit cities today. What made this weird was that none of the surrounding towns had any problem with these three diseases. So that was weird. That was a weird part of it. So it started making people, again, very superstitious about living here. They'd heard the stories as well. So the town, again, the people who survived all three of those plagues, they move away. By 1930, there's only four people living in that town. And today, completely abandoned. And that would have been it, right? It would have been old legends. It would have been, and really no one was around to tell the legends. They all left or died of these diseases. But what happened was in 1981, the story became national attention again because there was a 
man named Prudencio Muguruza. And Prudencio was at Okate one day, and he saw a UFO in the sky. He took a photo of it, and there was a Spanish magazine called Unknown World, and they published this photo. So he publishes this photograph in this UFO magazine, and I'll put it in the show notes. It, the photograph is weird. Like, I looked at it a couple times, and I was like, is this it? Or is this like some weird drawing? It doesn't look like a traditional UFO. But it really took off in the Spanish UFO community. And you had people who had heard the legends. They knew that this place was called the Secret Door, or the Wolf's Door. This town was known to be weird. And now you have a UFO sighting there. And Prudencio, this it, 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 this photograph skyrocketed him to the top of the paranormal research charts in Spain. He ended up quitting his job and becoming a paranormal researcher full-time. Isn't that the dream, guys? Isn't that really the dream? He starts dropping some knowledge about this town. Now, I don't know how much of this is true. <laughs> a lot of people say it's not true at all. But this is a dope. This is dope. This is what he says he uncovered. He's written a book about this. It's in Spanish, unfortunately. I can't read it. I mean, it's fortunate It's fortunate for Spanish speakers, but it sounds fascinating. He goes on to tell the story of the history of Ocate. He said back in the 13th century, back when the city first became abandoned, this is what happened. This is what he said he uncovered. Bleep, blop, blorp, get the thrusters working, one of the aliens said in the spaceship. I can't, they're offline, they're offline, another one said, like sparks are shooting up in the gray alien's face. Ah, ah. A UFO crashed into the town. And everyone was out. Everyone left. And these aliens crawled out of the wreckage of the ship. Some of them are still alive. And they buried their fallen comrades, their fellow explorers, left their home who knows how long ago and has now been buried on an alien planet. And while the aliens were there, they're like, we got to figure out a way to send a message back or get this ship fixed because this place is a total mud ball. I'm pretty sure cholera is going to kill us. And while these aliens were in this town of Ocate, the Knights Templar find out about them. So these dudes, these, these Knights Templar, decide to take out the demons that have conquered the town. And there is a battle between these alien survivors and the Knights Templar. And eventually, the aliens win. They actually push back the Knights. They take the town for themselves. And they remained there for 34 years. They put up a permanent settlement for themselves until a UFO showed up, came out of the sky one day, rescued them. Now that's one of those stories that, whether or not that story is true, that's a dope story. There's no one else saying anything like this but him. Or is there? This is really, really interesting. This I love this story. I just found out about it literally yesterday. I did a bunch of researching on it. And and people go, we think he's making it up. We think like the photograph might have been a cloud, might have been a UFO. We don't know. But no one else is saying anything about these aliens crashing. But I kept digging into this stuff. I kept digging into this stuff. Check this out. The area has a long history of people just vanishing, just gone. You also have other stories of people seeing UFOs. In fact, there is someone who saw a UFO before Prudencio even came to town. In 1978, there was a man named Angel Resnes. Angel saw a white light emerge from the city. 
break into three, and then shoot off towards a nearby mountain range. What's interesting about that one is that he saw them come out of, in the middle of Okate, there is a giant sarcophagi, a giant tomb that's empty. It's just sitting there. No one knows who was in it before. I don't even know if they know when it was built. There's this sarcophagi that's empty. And that's where he saw the white light come out of, split into three and fly into the mountains. So is that where the aliens had buried their dead? Really, really interesting detail. And it took me a while to find that. Like, I was reading report after report, and I read multiple reports about this guy, Angel seeing UFOs, Angel seeing UFOs, and finally I got to report and they specified they came out of an empty grave. Very, very interesting detail because it matches up to Prudencio's account. Even today, people still see UFOs there. Like I said, this is one of the known as one of the most mysterious sites in Spain. There's a lot of tourists coming here. But they had a guy back in 1987, there was a paranormal researcher there with a group, and they were looking for the gateway. Is the gateway where UFOs are going? Is the gateway where the devil's at? Is the gateway where people are disappearing to? Or is it just a fun day trip for paranormal researchers? Or everything combined, right? That's one of the beautiful things about being a paranormal researcher. We tend to have pretty open minds. Like, sometimes it can be so open, our brain falls out. But it's also fun to just go out there and explore these things and think about these ideas. Well, it wasn't super fun for this guy. Because in 1987, this paranormal researcher went out there with the group. And they were looking around. And at one point during the visit, he's like, Hey guys, I gotta go take care of something. I'll see you later. And they found him later dead in his car. He'd killed himself with carbon monoxide poisoning. In 1988, another paranormal investigator, Mikhail Colmerno, saw two men in black walking around Okate. But these just weren't any men in black. These, this wasn't Agent K and J. These guys were 10 feet tall, dressed in black suits. He's, he's a paranormal researcher. He's there to see the weird and the odd and the unexplainable. He said, I was so scared. I couldn't move. He goes, I was sitting in my car and they walked by. He goes, I couldn't, I couldn't move. I couldn't function. Someone who's trained themselves to look at this type of phenomenon paralyzed him. With fear. So in Okate, a town that was renamed, it was originally a very descriptive name, Gogate, Hightown. It's on the top of this hill. But after hundreds of years of experiences lost to time, like we don't know what happened between Bronze Age and the 1300s. But in that time period is when they changed the name to Okate. Enough stuff was going on that people started calling it Diablo's Day Okate or Oxtate. They changed the name of the city because it was so spooky. So mysterious. Something was wrong. They even knew it back then. And today we have UFOs, disappearances. These legends still exist, but what type of location would it be without ghosts? This is so scary. This is so scary. If you go to the town of Okate, there's a chance you will hear a young girl's voice telling you to leave. Get out. That's pretty common in ghost lore, right? That's something we see in horror movies. But there's another voice in the town. 
Nobody knows who it belongs to. Nobody knows how long the voice has been there. But sometimes when you're in the town of Oakate, you'll hear the sorrowful wails of a woman. You'll hear her voice, hoarse and raw, from years, decades, maybe centuries, of calling out. We don't know who she is. We don't know how long she's been trapped there, but she always says the same thing. Why? Why is the door still open? What secrets lie within the town of Okate? Where does the darkness lead on the other side of the devil's door? We may never know, but we do know a few people have found out what's on the other side of that door. And the only voice that can penetrate the night and reach back to our realm, our physical world, is a voice pleading with us to close the door. It may guarantee that her soul is forever trapped in this living hell, but maybe she's trying to prevent someone else from walking through the devil's door. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash DeadRabbitRadio. TikTok is at DeadRabbitRadio. DeadRabbitRadio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one, guys. (laughs) 